Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello once again and welcome to the Gagan Pod. As always, it's nice to have you with us on the Match Day edition on what is... A sad day in the world of football. We have lost one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever, to grace a football pitch. At the age of 60, Diego Maradona is no longer with us. But some of the memories he has left us means that he will be a legend that will live on forever, no doubt about that. In the second half of this podcast, we will take time to lay tribute, hopefully, to some of his memories, talk through some of his great moments, both on and, believe it or not, off the pitch as well. In the first half of the podcast, as always, we'll talk about what we saw in the Champions League this morning. Two teams are through to the knockout stages. And for the first time in a little while, we've got an Aussie on the score sheet in Europe's premier competition. That, we've got John Aloisi, Mark Schwarzer, Thomas Sorensen and Dave Wiener. Plenty more coming up on the Gagan Pod. It's great to have you on once again, the Gagan Pod. We're out here actually in the sunshine at Optus HQ. It's a beautiful day as we record and we thought, you know what, we're in reflective mood today given what's happened across the planet. So why not come out into the sunshine and enjoy it? I've got Dave Wiener and Thomas Sorensen alongside me. Uh, Thomas, good morning. Hello to you. How was... uh, how did you enjoy the Champions League today? You know, uh, again, uh, some surprising results. Uh, and again, a, a little bit overshadowed with the, the sad news of, of Maradona's passing. But, uh, you know, we, we, we again uh, saw some great goals, some great excitement. So uh, I was entertained. It is funny, Dave, because, you know, we want to get excited by the Champions League. We are excited by the Champions League. It's great football. But there is just that cloud today. And we will get to that, as I mentioned, a little bit later on in the show. But the big headline, there are two teams through, Manchester City and Bayern Munich, a little bit under the radar, but they're through nonetheless. They are. They join four from yesterday, and uh, both teams have done it extremely comfortably. Uh, Manchester City have relished the Champions League compared to the Premier League, whereas Bayern Munich are just swatting aside everything in front of them. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but procedural for both today. It wasn't procedural, though. For Liverpool, we'll bring Mark Schwarzer into the show. He was at Anfield for us. He's on his way back to London after seeing Liverpool go down 2-0 to Atalanta, who took out revenge after that 5-0 defeat in Bergamo a few weeks ago in Group D. Uh, Schwartzy, pretty flat from Liverpool, wasn't it? I know they made five changes. Can you blame it on that? But it, it just didn't seem like they were at the races at all. Yeah, I, I think that definitely has a part to play in it, making so many changes. I mean, we all, we all know Liverpool's got injury issues, right? Um, and I think they've coped incredibly well uh, throughout the season so far and in the Champions League. Uh, I thought tonight just maybe with a few too many changes a game. Um, when you continuously make changes week after week, game after game, then I think it eventually can catch up on you. And tonight was certainly the case. Uh, a lot of players that looked flat, looked uh, like they, they kind of went on the same wavelength. Understanding communication wasn't particularly great. And there were some very, very frustrated uh, uh, players out there, as well as the manager on the sideline, that's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned that. I found that really interesting when you said that Jurgen Klopp was having a proper dig at the players at the break. He didn't make too many changes, and it seemed to be defensive, not necessarily errors, but sloppy defending allowed them in Atlanta in the second half. What was the reaction from Klopp at the end of it? 
Uh, you know what? I think it was there was a resi- resignation that that, that, that it was going to happen. You know, I think as the night went on, the more and more he sort of kind of sat back in his seat a little bit, the more he kind of uh, quietened down just and, and shook his head a lot. Uh, the last sort of ten minutes or so was a lot of Jurgen Klopp shaking his head on the sidelines in, in, in I think more frustration and, and being upset with the way his team performed. I think he expected so much more. You know, obviously, as, as you know, you look at the result, the performance away at Atalanta, five nil. Who would have ever thought anything out of Atalanta? You could see at the end of the game how much it meant to Atalanta and what a victory that was for us to come to Anfield and win, uh, beat you know, beat Liverpool. And uh, I think uh, with Jurgen Klopp, it's a case of you know maybe he's pushed the squad, uh, the rotation of the squad as far as he can at this stage. I think maybe we jinxed it as well because in the pregame we're talking about, ah, oh, it doesn't matter who he picks, it's all about the system, he could pick anybody. Sorry about that, Liverpool fans, I think it was our fault. But you have to give credit, of course, to Atalanta, they played well. Josip Ilicic was in great form last season, his first goal in the Champions League group stage so far, then Robin Goosen's ghosted in, if you like, for the second. Should Liverpool be worried at all, do you think, Thomas? They're on nine points, Ajax, because they beat Michiland, which we'll talk about shortly. They're on seven, so too Atalanta. Any real worries for Liverpool fans? Or can you just forgive the club for having one off day when they've been in such good form? I think you can forgive them. Uh, the spark was lacking again. Uh, you know, I think some of the players that came in, especially uh, you know Necker Williams at, at right back, he got exploited. Uh, the crosses, Gomez played really well for Atlanta. Uh, two similar goals, crosses to the back stick, and and uh, you know just switching off. Um, but but you know looking overall in the Champions League, I think you know they they got Midtjylland in in the last game should win that and then a home game against Ajax and and, and with players coming back. I'm sure Klopp, Klopp wants you know to to beat Ajax, uh, secure the first spot, and and move in. So if I was a Liverpool fan, I, I would be pretty comfortable. Even though uh, today was an off day, it's probably the worst news actually for Ajax. Um, look, on one hand, you look at what say Frank Lampard, Pep Guardiola can do. They can probably rotate and give some other players an opportunity. Um, if Liverpool come out full pelt against Ajax, well, <laughs> that Ajax need to go there and match Atalanta's result, you would think, before they have their grand final coming up. So uh, it does throw this group uh, wide open in terms of interest over the next two match days. Schwartzy, before we let you go, I just wonder what the impact was of the loss of Diego Maradona in the hours just before kickoff. We saw plenty of tributes, sadly not enough, given there were no fans in the stands across the continent. But in just talking to officials or players or people around the club, could you feel that before the game and during tonight? I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with UEFA and the way they handled it. The referee, the minute silence was, was nowhere near a minute. Um, it was pretty short. Uh, there was no black armband, which I did also say before the game, which I was also a little bit surprised about. Uh, you know, we're talking about a guy that obviously changed the game. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he, he had such a, an impact on so many people around the world. Um, you know, he was a global ambassador. And whether or not, you know, you liked the, the, the Diego Maradona off the pitch um, as much as you like the guy on the pitch, you know, and I think there's, you know, there's definitely mixed feelings about it. I certainly do. I mean, obviously, as a, as a, as a player, I mean, he was incredible, wasn't he? I mean, there, there are very few players that ever played the game that you can compare him with. Obviously, off the field is a different situation altogether. But I still felt it wasn't the, really the, the, the fitting sort of set. Well, well, uh, sort of rec- a recognition of his accomplishment. And I, I thought it was a pretty hasty kind of uh, way in which they dealt with it. But you know what? I'm sure there'll be many, many more occasions where he'll be honoured. And I know that uh, uh, you guys were talking about, Dave Wynn was talking about the fact that Napoli may also rename their stadium after him. And I think that's a pretty, pretty special thing 
Um, but it's also a bit of a shame that it happens once he's gone, isn't it? Well, that's the thing you can almost imagine. The first game back for the fans in Naples, also at La Bombonera, where Boca Junior play, the next time Argentina play in front of a crowd. He's a legend. He'll live on forever, and as such, we can celebrate his life forever as well. So hopefully, you know, despite the fact it was a little low-key today across the European continent, people will no doubt pay tribute over the next coming months and years. Schwartzy, it's been good to have your thoughts over the past few days. As always, we'll catch you on the weekend. No problems, mate. Looking forward to it. Indeed, as we all are, the first game at the weekend, by the way, will be Liverpool in action away against Matty Ryan and Brighton. And you know what? Let's stick with the Aussies theme for a moment, Dave Wiener, because there was one that scored in this same group in Group D for Mitchelland against Ajax. You know what? This is not only a, it's a great moment for Automobile, a great moment for Australian football, babe, because we want players playing at this level and it's great to see them making an impact. It was also a great moment for Mitchelland. Thomas, I'd like to ask you about that as well because we've got our Australian perspective um, and we might run through the trivia in a second, Rich, but I just want to get the Danish perspective for Mitchelland because this is a big moment for them. They finally got that goal. Uh, they've shown promising moments, been out of their depth so far, but they this is a nice reward for them. Yeah, they, they got drawn in, in probably the worst group they could have been drawn in. Uh, you know, I, I still think, you know, they, they could have offered a little bit more, um, but again... You know, getting a goal, uh, you know, I think they've made a, a decent account of themselves. You know, they've had some players and, and great to see Mobile stepping up, uh, you know, get, getting getting the first goal and, and, and his first goal in the Champions League. Um, so I think from a Danish perspective, it was, you know, it was expected for them to, to finish last, uh, which it looks like they will. You think if they were ever going to, to get a, a point or a win, it was going to be when they faced a decimated Ajax last time out. Uh, they held on to halftime today, but three fabulous goals from the Dutch side got the win and sets up the group tantalisingly uh, all to play for hang on speaking of tantalising you said the word trivia before what, what's this about so who are the Australians who have scored in the Champions League by our calculations Scotty McDonald who was on our coverage in, in August he might have been the last one but a, a few other familiar faces as well yeah Tom Rogic scored in qualifying which might have actually been more recently I believe than McDonald recent, but yeah. in terms of the competition proper 12 in total actually if you can include qualifying and the group stages knockouts you know your Vadukas, you mentioned McDonald uh, who else? Craig Moore. Cra- oh, Maury. I mean, yeah, it's been a lean spell, though, hasn't it? And that's the thing. It's good to see Mabil. He had a bit of an off night when they played at Anfield. Great to see Awa on the score sheet, even if it is from the penalty spot. Who cares? Just a quick one. If you want to check out some highlights today, because we know we've been talk- we're going to talk about Diego Maradona, and everyone's probably watching uh, those fabulous highlights. But there is one goal to see, and that's from Ryan Gravenbach for Ajax. He is the youngest ever scorer for them in the Dutch league. He is courted by the biggest clubs in the world, and his fabulous goal just after half time probably explains why. Sounds good. Go and check that out on the Optus Sport app elsewhere. The headline result on the continent itself, I suppose, Thomas, would be the fact that. Inter Milan went down a player and went down 2-0 to Real Madrid. They are rock bottom of the group. They look almost next to no chance of getting through. It has absolutely fallen apart. And for the first time ever, Real Madrid won in 90 minutes at the San Siro. Great result for them. Yeah, huge result. Uh, Takes the the pressure right off uh, Zidane. Uh, You know, Inter didn't show up. Uh, Obviously conceding a penalty early. And then Vidal had an absolute... uh, Shocker, uh, get, getting two yellow cards uh, for, for you know mouth enough to to the referee, and and that comes from a you know a player that Conte has, has sort of brought in to, to be that experienced, that you know the, the tough man in, in midfield, and and uh, for for him to let the team down in, in, on such an important night was a huge disappointment, and and it didn't really offer a threat after that really for for Real Madrid. 
No, and Real Madrid's two victories now in the competition have come at the expense of Inter Milan, but their second day of to Munchen Gladbach, unbeaten in the group. Mm. Last year it was maybe Atalanta, you might say, that were the surprise packets going through the group. This year, it has to be Gladbach. They've been unreal. They, they Remember they led the Bundesliga for a while last year, and that form, uh, they obviously tailed off a little bit, but that was enough to get them into the Champions League's positions, and they've been They've been fantastic to watch in each of their games, playing uh, high-energy football, always a threat, and they've put 10 past Shakhtar in their two games. So Shakhtar, of course, who turned this group on its head by beating Madrid in Madrid, they haven't been that great since then. Um, Excuse me. Oh, Uh, oh, who's on the phone? Uh, Just my people, just my my sources. (laughs) Your contacts. (laughs) Or my wife. Um, (laughs) um, But the Ukrainian side showed probably their level today and... um, Munchen Gladbach, who are out of the top four currently in the Bundesliga, um, I reckon they can get some momentum both in Spain. Uh, sorry, in are they they're in Germany, yep. in Germany <laughs> and in Europe. Thrown by the phone call, I would say, Dave Weiner. There, you better. Is she okay? You're you're right to hold hold off. If if you're listening, by the way, Tal, uh, he wanted to answer it. We just no, we stopped him. He can't answer it mid podcast, but he desperately wanted to. So Gladbach had a good four 0 victory over Shakhtar. They look like they're a great chance of going through elsewhere. Bayern Munich did go through a comfortable three one victory over Salzburg. Dave posed the question on the post game show: Are there any chinks in the armor? They don't have Josh Kimmich at the moment. That's the only thing they're really missing. They've got depth. They've got youngsters. They're doing it easy in the group stage. It'll take something to stop them, Thomas. Yeah, they're, they're the team to beat. Uh, Flick has done a, a tremendous job uh, ever since he took took over, winning uh, you know two two trophies uh, last season, the championship and, and, and Champions League. And again, you know, adding Sane, uh, he's given him a, another option up front. Uh, and then, you know, when you've got Lewandowski, who's just <laughs> an absolute machine, then uh, you're good to go. And, and uh, you know, they'll just keep going, grinding out results and, and keep scoring goals. Speaking of scoring goals, you'd love to see Atletico do a bit of that. It was nil all against uh, Lokomotiv Moscow in the same group, uh, Group A with Bayern Munich. Two points ahead of Lokomotiv they are, so you would suspect they'll probably scratch through, Dave, but that's about all they'll do. They've been pretty average to watch. They have, and, and surprisingly, because like in La Liga in Spain on the weekend, uh, they were terrific against Barcelona, but i tell you what, Salzburg and Lokomotiv Moscow have given this group a real crack. Bayern just show their class and the fact that you know Salzburg are a decent team and they have swatted them away um, but Mo- Moscow who I remember last year being absolutely dreadful um, have been really really competitive I- in all their games this year so while mathematically it's alive I- I'm still not convinced that we won't see some upset here because both those other teams have been in every single game they've played in. So unpredictable the Russian teams I mean Krasnodar, Zenit haven't been great necessarily, but Lokomotiv, every year there are some different teams in European competition. It's always unpredictable to see what they'll do, but they're still in with a good shout. We mentioned the fact that Man City are the other team, apart from Bayern Munich, to go through. Did it easy, as easy as a 1-0 victory can actually be over Olympiacos, but they have a chance to maybe rest some players and potentially focus on the league where they've been struggling for any type of consistency. Quick one on City, Thomas. If you offered a City fan, and you never know what fans of clubs will take, but if you offered City fans 14th in the league, a really inconsistent average season where they struggle to score and get any kind of momentum, but you win the Champions League, you'd take that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Uh, You know, again, uh, Champions League has has been their main target, I think, uh, ever since they were were bought. Uh, And... uh, you know, they've been close, but just haven't performed same as last season. You know, just uh, coming short uh, in the semi-final. 
You know, they, you know, I think they'll be happy, like you said, that they'll be happy that they're qualified now. Now they can focus, you know, again today they had, was it 23 chances uh, and only managed one goal. Uh, you know, I think Phil Foden was asked, uh, they win every time he scores, you know, he needs to score every week now uh, <laughs> for, for them to win the title. So uh, Yeah, he pretended like he didn't know that <laughs> stat either. Like, mate, you 100% knew, know knew. that. Uh, just, just quietly, though, they full Foden scoring and winning, I mean, that does them a little bit up. That They need him stepping up so that they've got that graduation to that next level of whoever's in their side. You know, He's stepping up. Bernardo Silva discovers some of the form he used to have because it can't all go through Kevin De Bruyne if they want to go to the next level. And like, Olympiacos played this match in their own goal practically from you know from, from what I could, could see. And... Um, They've done it easy in, in Europe, but you know, they can't be lured into any false sense of security. They've got a lot to prove still in England. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Elsewhere in Group C, Porto are all but through. A little bit of work to do, but with a six-point buffer over Olympiacos, not much to do, to be honest. Marseille, they beat 2-0, it was, in the end, to Porto in this one against Marseille side that are the worst, absolutely no doubt about that in Europe. No points, no hope, nothing from the French side under Andre Villas-Boas. Now, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the second half of the podcast will be a discussion and a tribute to the man that we sadly lost this week, Diego Maradona. John Aloisi joins us on the line. We had an extended post-game show today, and it was cathartic in a way, I suppose, John, to actually just talk about what he meant as a footballer to everybody. Because over the past couple of decades, I suppose, sadly, so much focus has been on Diego off the field, you know, but as a footballer, Geez, any chance to go back and look at his highlights on YouTube or wherever else, he was an absolute genius. He was a genius. and I remember the the first time I ever watched him was back in the 82 World Cup uh, for Argentina uh, when they played in Spain. He just got for Barcelona, uh, record signing from Boca Juniors, and he showed glimpses in that World Cup that what he did in 86, uh, uh, especially against England, but it wasn't only that game, against Belgium, and then in the final against Germany. He virtually single-handedly won the World Cup for Argentina. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance today, please go watch some footage on him because some of the things he did with the ball was unbelievable. And he used to get kicked from pillar to post, get back up, and just keep on going. And he was... uh, The more I talk about him, the sadder I get because, you know, he was uh, a legend of the game, um, but... The, you know, you remember him for the good things that he did on the football pitch. And, of course, there'll be a lot of discussion about what he did off the pitch as well. I kind of feel the same. You know, woke up this morning and had all this Champions League, a lot of football to focus on. And, you know, we went to great lengths to hopefully give some sort of tribute to his career, Dave. But almost as the day wears on, you sit back and think, oh, Jesus, it's so sad because what he did as a football player, as an artist, was extraordinary. Mm. I mean, don't worry about the off-field stuff. That was something totally different. You gave a really interesting outline in an article you wrote about 
the feature documentary that came out last year and you wrote an obit today that really summed up the two Diegos and a man at conflict after what he'd done was almost too big for anyone human to deal with on the football pitch. Yeah, it was, you know, th- that documentary last year was really fascinating for me to see because obviously I'm a bit younger, I didn't see him in his pomp and when John talks about that vision, watching that vision and seeing that like on the big screen it was just compelling. It was mesmerizing. And one of the things about working in media is, unfortunately, when these kind of events happen, you, you head down, bum up. It's kind of like DEFCON mode. You, you're all surging ahead to get the content out that you think is appropriate to pay tribute to that particular person. And sometimes you need to take a second to stop and pause and think, what's actually going on here? And then when you see around you what everyone is, is saying, how everyone is feeling, the vision that's coming out, it makes you realise what a deeply profound impact he had on so many people. And yes, he became a caricature of himself later on in life. But the fact was, the impact he had despite that shows so much about what he, um, what he did for so many people. So that piece you referenced talks a lot about the, the, the genius and the, the, the crazy guy, the, 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 the hero and the villain, the cheat and the champion. He was all of those at the same time. And, and the way I summed it up based on that outstanding film last year was that Diego, the boy from Argentina, ended up being consumed by Maradona, the superstar. But the fact is both just, you know, we'll be talking about both of them uh, for forever. Yeah, and, and some of the, the things you said, like obviously the, the pressure he was on and the glorification, you know, I, I had a bit of an experience. I was with the under-21 national team in Argentina in his late career when he was at Boca Juniors and 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 he you know he couldn't hardly walk <laughs> let alone run at that time and and he was playing in it we went and watched a, an exhibition match that that he was playing and you know if there was gps things uh, <laughs> at that time it, it would they would have fallen asleep because he was just in the center circle just spreading a few balls and actually after the game he, he walked down to to all the Boca junior fans behind the goal and took his shirt off and he knew probably he, he, you know he hadn't played his greatest game threw it out turned around the shirt came flying back and that i think that that summarized you know the the expectation of and and the past and the glories of of his you know his in his no the 86 yeah. and 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 before that and and then the present i think people had a struggle with you know that picture and then you know where he ended up and and um you know he, he divided people as well um but you know, we 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 got to remember those things that that, that we all, you know, that we all remember as, as kids and inspired mm. us. I keep mentioning the word because it keeps going through my head. Artists. I mean, what yeah. he did was artistry. He was a footballer, but he did it with so much art and flair, and it was completely natural to him. You mentioned the fact, Dave, that he grew up as Diego on the streets. That's where he learned how to play football. Had a really strong relationship with his football. It was with him all the time. And then when he played professionally, you could see the way he expressed himself. I can't help but feel, John, that those players don't exist anywhere near enough. I mean, I would love in our lifetime for Australia to create one of those players that just plays like their entire life depends on it. And the relationship between them and the football is everything when they get on the pitch. The courage and the bravery he showed to go with that skill, like you mentioned before, was phenomenal. But just to have even an ounce of that relationship with the football must be quite something. Yeah, the football just used to stick to him. They, you know, that, that left foot of his uh, became synonymous with uh, world football because you know you could not get the ball off of him, um, and especially when the Serie A, when it was at its best, it was a tough league to play in. But he carried Napoli on his shoulders, and uh, and he carried the national team on his shoulders. But he never shied away from getting that ball, running at players, 
uh, creating something out of nothing. You know, uh, I remember a few of his goals at Napoli, even from uh, just inside the, the half, that he would chip the goalkeeper and, uh, you know, do things that we'd never seen before. And that you can only learn on the street. And that's where he learned it. He learned it in the slums of Buenos Aires. Uh, and he needed to play football to get out of those slums. And then he didn't only have the shoulder of the nation on top of him, he also had the shoulder of his family because he needed to play football to support them. And uh, and that's why football meant so much to him. It, it was a, it was a passion that he had from a, a kid, but it was also it was a way of getting out of the, the the hard life that he had growing up in Argentina. And you said earlier today, John, that you had a mutual teammate with Diego Maradona that gave a real insight into his preparation. I guess if that's the word, maybe lack of preparation between games, but then his influence once he actually got on the field. Yeah, when I was playing at Cremonese, there, I had a teammate that played with him at Napoli, and we were all excited about you know listening to Diego's stories. And uh, and one of the stories he, he told us that uh, that you know after a game they used to go out partying, and that uh, the, the thing is that you know a, a day later the players used to go back to training, but Diego wouldn't come back until four days later. He would uh, he would turn up on the on the Thursday, so he was on a four day bender, virtually not even going home, and then uh, start doing a bit of a uh, loosening up on the Thursday, on the Friday, he would, he would sweat whatever was in his system out. Uh, on the Saturday, again, just a, a little bit of uh, a session just to prepare for the game on the Sunday. And then he would win the game from on the Sunday and do exactly the same thing uh, the following week. But uh, he would do this the whole season and still was good enough to win the title for Napoli that season. He really put the word loose into loosening up. I love that insight. And we saw that in the Asif Kapadia documentary as well. Dave, I reckon today and over the next couple of weeks, the time that Argentina played in Australia in the 93 World Cup qualifier will become a bit like the 2005 qualifier, which I'm surprised John hasn't brought up, where everybody in the country says <laughs> they were there. And you think, hang on a second, that stadium only holds 90,000, not uh, not 20 million. But the reflections of the fact that Australia played against Argentina were quite close to a World Cup that Maradona eventually knocked them out of. The stories as well of the Vidmar brothers, Aurelio saying on our coverage that they went and partied with Maradona after the second leg over there. And he, you know put his bar tab on and he was paying for drinks and putting his arm around players and offering them whatever else otherwise. I love the stories of that camaraderie between someone of his stature and, let's be honest, lowly, relatively, um, players from Australia. We're going to hear some stories over the next uh, couple of days and weeks, I am sure, uh, in Australia and abroad. Um, uh, stories that maybe have been... Uh, kept under wraps for a little while as well and I think that documentary uh, just to go back to that for a second lifted the veil a little bit too because there was a lot of stuff that I was stunned about we almost saw a little bit vividly um, what John spoke about which was you were seeing the vision of him almost just going on his huge sweats the, the, the day before a game thinking did he actually pull this off? I mean, some of the stories from that uh, qualifying campaign where I think the story was Paul Wade was meant to man mark him and uh, you know that was the plan great plan Maradona's going to find that one pocket of space, even if he's standing in the one spot for 89 minutes of the game. And um, I unfortunately wasn't at the game. I was very, very young, but I've spoken to a lot of people who were, and it was almost like my dad told me, I, I, you're not going to remember this, but you need a ticket to this because you need to say one day you saw Diego Maradona play. And uh, that's what it was. That's the status of him. You know, you had to be there. I remember when I saw Messi play first, uh live for the first time. I had that same feeling. He actually had an awful game. It was the World Cup semi-final where they got through on penalties somehow in uh, Sao Paulo. And I remember just thinking, 
He's having a stinker here, but I'm so glad I'm here just to witness this and one day say to your kids or grandkids, hey, I saw him play. It'll be the same for Maradona, obviously. Yeah, so as I said on, on, on the coverage, whilst I never saw Maradona play, the combination of seeing Messi play with Maradona coaching him was one of the most uh, surreal things ever. It was in uh, Johannesburg, I think it was, in, in South Africa. And why I loved that was because you could just see the way Maradona was like this Pied Piper, not just for the players, but for the, for the crowd. And if Argentina need rousing, he'd just get on the side. And he wasn't coaching the players, he was conducting the fans. You know, he had, he had this beaded necklace that he had on and he would get it up and he'd whip the crowd into a frenzy. Um, and I, you know, at one point, I almost thought he was just going to go on the field and slap Messi at, at, you know, at one point. And... And I just think that just shows the influence and the power and the, and the effect he had on the Argentine people that while they were in a low point before the World Cup, what do they think? Oh, let's just get Diego to coach the team. Maybe he'll pull something out for us. I think that says it all. I love uh, the documentary as well, series about him at Los Dorados in Mexico. The behind-the-scenes access. I mean, basically all he did was dance. He didn't necessarily manage. He had no tactics. His only tactics were just dance, boys, and they did. And they went pretty well, and they loved his influence. And you could just see what it did. You know, I of all the tributes and messages we've seen out there, Thomas, I really liked Pele's, just because of who Pele is, I suppose. And, you know, saying that one day I'll play with you once again in the sky. Uh, you know, no doubt the comparisons will be made. Where does Maradona sit? Is he better than Messi? Is he not as good as Messi? Is he better than Pele? Who cares? I honestly could not care because the impact this guy had on the game, the fluidity he played it with and the uniqueness, the individuality of his football means that it doesn't matter where he ranks. He gave us some unbelievable memories. Yeah, and I think you, you nailed it exactly. That, that's what matters. You know, again, who cares? about who's ranked number one, two, three, whatever. You know, we, we, we didn't get a chance to experience Pele. You know, we've seen pictures. We briefly met Maradona. He's sort of, uh, you know, 86 and, and forward. Uh, and uh, now we've, we've got the, the chance to see Ronaldo and, and, and Messi. And, and these are players inspire kids to, to play the game, inspire fans, you know, their passion, their, you know, there's so many, the professionalism for some of them, not, not necessarily Maradona. But, uh, you know, it, 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 that's what, what you need from sport. You, you, you need those idols that everyone will follow. And, and you summed it up as well. It's like he just needs to turn up for the national team. He doesn't need a tactic. He doesn't need anything. Just him as a person. People will follow that, yeah. and, and that's what his, you know, the Argentina 86, you know, it wasn't a team of great players. They just worked hard around him. He did, you know, he did the magic, and, and they won the World Cup. It, it actually, just what you just said on that, it just shows the escape that football and sport can give people, and unfortunately for Maradona, maybe the price was his own personal sacrifice for the joy he gave so many other people. But what you just said there was, was he was there, and he was there to whip the, 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 the audience into a frenzy. But do you know what this also does with Pele's comment about, I hope you see, I see you in the sky? I hope, you know, we can, we can let's stop talking about Messi, V. Ronaldo and the GOAT. Because, you know, what, we've got how many more years of watching them? Well, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Let this remind us that it doesn't matter who's better. We're blessed to watch them. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say, John. You know, if it's ever encouragement for people to go out into the backyard, into the street and, and play football, play any sport, you know, on one hand, but also to go out when crowds come back, wherever you are, go and watch these guys, you know, if you can, if you're able to either tune in on TV or go and see them in the flesh because the legacy he will leave is remarkable. I mean, I'm the same. I was born in 86, the year he won the World Cup. And I say he won the World Cup because he almost led Argentina single-handedly. You need to really make the most of your Ronaldos and your Messis because soon enough we'll be regretting the fact that we didn't go and see them more. Yeah, well, they're not going to last forever, and uh, and Maradona obviously didn't. And, uh, but you know, those memor memories will live with me forever because uh, 
you know, I was fortunate enough to, to watch him during his era, but only on TV. I never got to watch him live. But uh, Messi, I have seen. Ronaldo, I have seen. And uh, they're special. Uh, and uh, and you, you want to make the most of it because not often do they, they're not in once in a generation. They're, they're once in a lifetime you see those players. And, uh, you know, uh, the argument will always be there about who was the best. And like you're saying, let's not even argue about that. Let's just live. Uh, and relive, you know, the moments that Maradona gave us in terms of his quality on the pitch, his genius. Um, because when you see things live as well, you see things that they're seeing on the pitch that no one else can see. And that's what Maradona, and I think Messi is the, the most similar player that you'll ever get to Maradona. That uh, their vision is uh, incredible. Yes, they can dribble past five, six players at a time, but it's what they see that others don't see. And that's what's impressive about them. John, always great to get your thoughts, uh, even on a, a sad day like this. Uh, you so eloquently put what so many people are feeling today, so we appreciate your time. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, guys. I don't know where to end, guys. I really don't. I mean, we've seen eight games of great football in the most part over the last two mornings, but this, this is a massive story, and I mentioned it before, the fact that we don't get fans to see this emotion in the crowd or create this emotion. I used the phrase 2020 can get in the bin. I've probably used it a few times over the past few weeks, Dave. But this, to be honest, the sooner we can get fans back in to experience and to create an experience in really laying the right tribute for Diego Maradona, the absolute better. Here, 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 here. And do you know what my favourite line of the morning was? Actually from John uh, when he said, uh, you th- we thought he would be here forever. You know, we shouldn't be shocked because he's had health problems. But the fact that he's lived through all of that and he's almost been superhuman... You just assume that Maradona is going to be here forever. And I think that's why it's hit people so hard in the football world. So, um, yeah, I think the only way to end today is to exactly what you suggested we all do. Jump on YouTube, enjoy all the content about him and, and relive the experience that the generation before us got to enjoy and, and uh, the joy he brought so many people. Well, he was so good, you don't even need to look up his football itself. That famous warm-up for Napoli in the training kit where he's dancing, you know, whilst warming up with a football. He's, I, I remember speaking to a mate about it years ago and he said, you know what, if you were watching football in the Maradona era, you didn't even need to stay for the game. You would, but you didn't need to because what he did in the warm-up was so good. You see Tagliafico did that today before Ajax's game. Fantastic. Really, he, he imitated his warm-up. It's gone viral. You'll be able to find it on social media. Uh, one of many different ways different players will find the way to pay tribute uh, to it. Indeed. Well said, Dave. Uh, Thomas, always great to have you on, and you'll be back, I believe, in our studios at the weekend. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, again, more good football coming up. Yep, Brighton and Liverpool kicks us all off. We've got uh, 10 games coming your way live from the Premier League over the weekend before the Champions League. Match day five returns. You know, normally we sign off with this podcast by saying between now and the next one, enjoy your football. How about between now and the next one, you go and enjoy the football of one of the greatest, if not the greatest, that's ever graced this earth. Diego Maradona, gone, sadly, but never forgotten. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.